This is Michael Miracle, producer of the I Work For Him radio program. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast. You can catch the show live weekdays from 3 o'clock until 4, locally in Tampa Bay on AM 570 and 910 WTBN and online at letstalkfaith.com and iheartradio.com. And swing by our website for all things I Work For Him at iworkforhim.com. That's iwork4him.com. And now, today's podcast broadcast. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. I know you won't believe it, but you will in about an hour. Hey, thanks for tuning in to I Work For Him this afternoon as we broadcast live on the radio out of Tampa Bay on AM 57910 and FM 102.1, as well as online at letstalkfaith.com and iHeartRadio, and again on Talk America Radio, as well as iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Just want you guys to know that we're out there trying to get the message out there to challenge people to connect their faith to their work, to connect their faith to literally every nook and cranny of their lives. We talk about work a lot here and I work for him because that's where we spend most of our time. Outside of our bed, we spend the most of our time at work. And is your faith connecting to your work? Today we're going to talk about house churches. And here's why we're going to talk about house churches. Honestly, at times I get frustrated with big church because I think it's too easy for people to get lost in big church and not be challenged and really not to be growing. It's too easy to sneak in the back and sneak back in the front. Or, no, but sneak in the back and then sneak back out before people catch you, that kind of thing. There is, without the small group experience, I don't know how you grow vibrantly in your faith. So, house churches, are they a thing of the past or a thing of the future? Do they represent all that is right about church or all that is wrong about church? They still involve people, so you know they can't be perfect, but how do you know what's the right fit? A mega church, a traditional 100 to 200-person church, or a small house-based church? Each one offers unique opportunities and the typical quirks, because people are still involved. One offers programs and the ability to avoid relationships if you want to. Another offers relationships and volunteer opportunities. House church, it offers deep relationships, but without the typical church programs, Which one is right for you and your family? Which church will impact the U.S. of A. the most? And I would say it's probably all three. Which one represents the future? That, I believe, is house churches. Because I believe one day, there's a day in our future that churches in America will be illegal. Here today, we we welcome Felicity Dale to come back with us and John White to talk about the house church. And we're also going to hear from several people across the United States of America that are involved in house churches, and and you're going to hear the impact on their lives. Felicity Dale and John White, welcome back to I Work For Him. Thank you so much. It's good to hear you guys back on the air, and I'm, I'm excited to just hear the hearts. You know, I know the Lord is moving in incredible ways, and it's nice just to sit back and hear what he's doing. You know, Acts 2, 44 and through 46 says this, and all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Felicity, why is church attendance critical for the growth of a Christ follower? No matter what that church <laughs> looks like. Well, I mean, that, uh, that's, uh, that certainly sounds true, but my own experience uh, was kind of different. So okay. uh, I became a Christian when I was a kid, uh, maybe 11 years old, uh, through reading a book. 
and I knew absolutely no other Christians. And it was probably three or four years uh, before I, I actually met some other Christians, although I had led the girl next door to the Lord, my, my, my closest friend at that time. Uh, and so the Holy Spirit was able to keep me during that time. But I didn't start to grow until I, I began to know other Christians, found a church where there were, mm-hmm. where there were Christians. And that was when I, I started to really understand my Christian faith, to get the basics sorted out, and to, to really grow. So is it critical? Uh, yes, but the Holy Spirit is bigger than that, too, if need be. I love that. So it was really the relationships that helped you grow. And and that, I, I love that. And we're going to dig deeper into that. Let me just ask this question, because I don't believe you've ever shared that before, that you came to Christ and you didn't know any other Christ followers. So how did your parents react to you putting your faith in Christ? Uh, they were a bit alarmed, actually. Um, uh, is it, but my, uh, yeah, they were, they were, yeah, somewhat alarmed, especially later when my faith became more serious. They were concer- so concerned that they called the local vicar to set me right. Uh, he failed, but um, you know he 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 did not succeed in moderating my belief. Wait a minute, you said the local vicar, so the local pastor. He came to set you right. Yes, yes. and tell you to not put your faith in Christ. Well, it wasn't quite that bad, but it was certainly not to get fanatical. <laughs> wow. That's that's interesting. That's disturbing yeah. and interesting. All right. Yeah. So, but have there been times in your life where going to a big church, it just you just didn't feel like going. You just didn't feel like attending. Uh, absolutely. So I remember we were involved in uh, something very similar to house churches in England, and when we first moved here, uh, we went through a very very tough time. Uh, at least financially and, and spiritually too. And we tried very hard to get involved in uh, traditional churches in this country. And at that stage, in order to make a living, Tony was working at weekends. And I was taking our four kids to um, uh, a traditional church. And it, I, I was treated, mo- most people had no idea I was married, and I was treated as a single mother. Mm. And it was actually very, um, it was a very, very difficult time. Very difficult indeed. That would be tough. And I'm sure Tony didn't like that either, but I know sometimes you just got to do things you got to do in oh, order yeah. to pay the bills. Yeah, exactly. So, John White, how has your faith been enhanced by being involved in a church? Well, I'll, I'll talk about uh, specifically house churches. Okay. Um, one of the characteristics of a house church we sometimes call it participatory church as opposed to spectator church. And what I find is that my faith is tremendously enhanced when I hear the stories of what God is doing in the lives of other people in that group. Uh, I'll give you an example just from this week. On Monday night, I was meeting with one of our leadership teams, which functions a lot like a house church. And this is virtual, so it's, uh, it's a video chat. And we always start by checking in with uh, an appreciation story. And one of the ladies, Susan, said, I, I can hardly wait to share my appreciation story. She said, this happened at the, our leadership conference, which was over the Labor Day weekend. So all of our leaders were together down in Texas, and Felicity was there. One day after lunch, a bunch of the ladies got together, went to Felicity, and said, would you pray for us? We know that you've been praying 
that God will release women into full leadership, full partners in, as leaders, and especially even as apostles, as church planters. This one lady, Susan, said, I didn't even know if I was supposed to be in that group, but I went anyway. And she said, as soon as Felicity started praying for her, she said, I burst out sobbing. I, I didn't know what was going on. And it was a few minutes later that she understood that 26 years before, she had been in a church, and the leader of that church had looked at her relationship with the guy she was dating, who's currently her husband. And he said, you guys are not well matched. He's very quiet, introverted. You're a very extroverted, strong leader. I don't think you guys really should be together. So Susan made a vow that she would put a cap on her giftings and her personality and all the rest so that she could marry her husband. 26 years later, when Felicity started praying for these ladies, that vow was broken. And I wish you could have seen her face on Monday night. She was shining. She said, I am so filled with joy, I can hardly stand it. Now, that story builds my faith. Now, John, but you just said one of the most controversial things probably ever said on I Work For Him. I'm good with it, but I like it. But that, that Felicity, you are that you have been praying for women to be released as full leaders, as full church planters. But yet there are many that would say the Bible says that women shouldn't be uh, teaching over men. How do you reconcile what Paul was saying to the early church with women being leaders and church planters uh, today? it will be a whole show, Felicity. <laughs> let, <laughs> let, let's just give a summary, have? and maybe maybe we will address this in a future a full show. I'm good with that. I just really want to make sure because you said something. People are they're like, "Ooh, really? Ooh, okay." Just go ahead, go ahead, Felicity. Well, for, for me, um, you know, I, I, I guess I was brought up in a situation, a Christian situation, where women were not expected to do anything, and I found it very, very frustrating. And it was only through study of the scriptures. Uh, looking at the original Greek, under, be, trying to understand what Paul was really getting at, that uh, that released me to being and doing anything that God called me to be and do. All right, we're trying to cause a little controversy today, but really, i got to tell you, what Felicity Dale said and John White said right before the break, we're talking about how Felicity's been praying that women would be accepted as full leaders. I'm, that's Correct me in a second, Felicity, if I've misquoted this or John, uh, that you've been praying that women be, would be released as full leaders and church planters. Felicity, what's been leading you to go that direction? Well, I guess uh, ever since I was, I was young, a teenager, I've had a heart that women really uh, do uh, anything and everything that God is calling them to. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, one, of the, one of the main sort of impetuses behind it, perhaps, is seeing what God is doing around, uh, doing in other parts of the world. So, for example, um, in India, uh, there I, I've met women, uh, women church planters, one of whom had started 6,000 churches, another who had oh, started 2,000 churches. Uh, not that she started them personally, necessarily, although she'd started many of them, but um, she trained other other people who had also started churches. So uh, I mean, there are extraordinary things going on in other parts of the world. I mean, many people know what's happened in China and the, um, uh, you know, the fact that because all the men were put into jail, uh, it was basically women and children who started churches all over that nation. So when you when you hear what God is doing around the world, then it it makes it um, somehow very much more simple to understand that yes, God wants to do it here too. 
Well, and I, I love that. Now, you said when you went to back and started studying the original Greek, and you started studying what, what the Scriptures say, because I asked the question, but, but Paul says that women shouldn't be teaching men. Okay, so how do, you, how do you reconcile that? And again, I don't know Greek, never studied it. I, I understand there's a lot of things that are written in Greek that you can't really interpret in English. Um, what, 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 how did you interpret that? that? That women should not be able to teach men. It's, um, it's again, it's kind of complicated. Uh, it, 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 there are many different explanations of that particular verse. Okay, um, I'm going to I'm going to ask you to hold on because I believe Jim and Kathy Mellon are on from Killen, Texas. Felicity or John, whoever the uh, John, uh, one of you guys want to introduce them and then we'll ask them some questions. You bet. Jim and and uh, Kathy are some of the real pioneers of uh, house church ministry um in the US. Uh they worked with Tony and Felicity Dale for many years and they are part of our leadership team. A wonderful wonderful couple. Jim and Kathy Mellon, welcome to I work for him. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good to be here. Hey, why did you guys choose uh, House Church? Well, in, back in 1992, I was part of the leadership of a large church that had over a million-dollar-a-year budget, church and school. And we had a lot of uh, people that needed financial help in our church, and we weren't able to do that because of building expense, salaries, and and so basically we started House Church for economic reasons, uh, where we uh, we started and our leadership team agreed not to take a salary. As we grew, we paid a, uh, a part-time secretary, um, and then we were able to redirect uh, God's finances in a different direction. And we, we realize Scripture says, you know, workman's worthy of his hire, but it was just something we wanted to model. Sure. We started seeing Scriptures, um, and like in Thessalonians, where Paul said, I work day and night not to be a burden to any of you, but to model uh, ministry. So, Kathy, what have you loved about House Church? Well, I would say just the impact it's had on our relationship with the Lord, more intimacy with each other in our marriage. After 44 years of marriage, we are seeing uh, increasing every year, just a wonderful relationship. Um, and then, of course, in the lives of our children and our grandchildren, we feel like uh, House Church really impacted them in a way that they are all now, most of them, in leadership positions in various kinds of churches. Uh, just because we taught them that the same Holy Spirit that lives in us lives in them. And he wants to speak through them, and he wants them to minister in the name of Jesus, and so that's what they've been doing for many years. Yep. Hey, Tim Mellon, you need to share how much money you were able to redirect as a result of your house church network. Okay, uh, the first 13 years of our network, we were able to give a million dollars, over a million dollars, to missions, benevolence, missions local and foreign, we, we worked with uh, some overseas missions, and then we were real active in our community with a lot of local missions, like the Mission Soup Kitchen. We were the only uh, 
monthly giver to the Mission Soup Kitchen, only Christian ministry, along with Dan's Biker Bar. And a good story there was we we got to meet a lot of people that went to Dan's Biker Bar because we had one thing in common, and that was contributing to the Mission Soup Kitchen. Man, so what's the one thing, uh, Kathy, that you'd say, mm, boy, I miss about Big Church? Um, I, I Well, I'd have to think about that. I would say probably for me, uh, just big worship. You know, and we have had um, gatherings over the years where we have experienced that, uh, where we were able to have uh, a worship team come in and lead us in worship. And that's been, that's been probably, I would say, the one and only thing that I really miss. I, I get it. We've got another caller calling in, but I want to thank Jim and Kathy Mellon from Killing Texas. Thank you guys for sharing just a little bit of your story. We may call you back in again another day, but thanks for calling into I Work for him today, Jim and Kathy. Great. Thank Good to be here. Now, Jorge Pina is calling in from Washington, D.C. Jorge, welcome to I Work for him. Hey, how's it going? Good afternoon. Good afternoon. And we should just be praying for you because you're in Washington, D.C. I mean, just by the mere fact that you're there is a mission field. So, you know, you've got a house church going on in the D.C. area. What well, you've, what's your, talk, talk about, how did you end up in D.C.? Uh, I moved here on a baseball scholarship, uh, and that's how I got here to the Washington, D.C. area. What? Why did you or how did you get involved in the house church movement, Jorge? Well, I was part of a mega church, and, uh, you know, I there was a lot of things that were drawing me to maybe getting a simple way to do church. Uh, and I believe as I started just searching scriptures, I I just kept seeing a big difference between the mega church movement uh, to what I saw in the scriptures. So I thought, hey, well, there has to be a better way. And that's when I uh, got connected with the Luke 10 community. And, I, you know, I started learning more about what it looks like to have a biblical, simple, organic church. And it just rocked my world. Now, you and your wife, along with your ch- small children, plus a bunch of friends, have your small church in D.C. Talk to me about what have you loved about small church? Well, several things. Uh, the, the things that I'll share is that is biblical, uh, that is simple, that is organic, that is duplicatable, and that, uh, you know, it's it's very relational. I mean, you really get into uh, learning what uh, people's lives, you get to learn the people that you uh, meet with uh, on the, you know, on the weekly basis, and you you live life uh, together with them. So I love that. Um, I love uh, uh, that part of, of uh, being part of a uh, house church. And uh, just so you know, we have uh, three house churches. Okay, got three house churches. Okay, but as as uh, John wrote out, okay, you're you're in a house church, including your wife and your two younger children. Do you? How do you handle having the little kids in a small house church? Well, it's a beautiful thing because the kids uh, get to be part of the of of the community, and they get they get to be part of everything that we're doing. I'll give you an awesome example. So next thing you know, we were worshiping, uh, singing different songs uh, to Jesus. And next thing you know, my little son comes with a bucket, uh, basically a trash can from the bathroom, and two sticks that he picked up from, you know, the the uh, yard, and he started just drumming. 
uh, and worshiping with us. So, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that as a parent, you know, seeing your son without you telling him, just bringing a, a trash can and two sticks and then worshiping Jesus on his own and in his own way. So that's one of the beautiful things about, you know, having the children being involved and in, in the house church. How has being connected to the LK10.com, the, the Luke 10 partnership, how has that helped you and your wife and these three small house churches in D.C.? Well, uh, for once, uh, John has been doing uh, this for a long time, uh, much longer than I, than I have. So he's experienced uh, doing house churches. I mean, he could tell you the do's and don'ts, and uh, it's awesome to hear also the the don'ts uh, on, on the house church uh, movement. So it brings a lot of experience, a lot of resources, and uh, yeah, so that's, those are some of the things that I, I will share, and also the community. I mean, even though uh, John is in Denver, Colorado, um, you know, we have this virtual leadership meeting. That's fantastic. Uh, I, I got to let you go. I got to let you go. Jorge Pina, thanks for calling in from Washington, D.C. Thanks for sharing your experience. We've got Felicity Dale and John White on. They got an organization called LK10.com. Luke 10, but it's LK10.com. John, why don't you really quick, before we get Matt Daniels, Daniels on the line, tell people about LK10. Sure. And again, the way that you have to spell it out is LK10.com. This okay. Is, um, a community of leaders uh, who are all doing house church or church planters from around the world. There are about 75 so far, and we provide uh, support and training for people who are uh, starting house churches or leading house churches. So, in a nutshell, well, that's who we are. I love what Jorge said. He said, hey, that gives me all the do's and don'ts. It, it helps me all the do. I think that's fantastic. But we've made all the mistakes that, that you possibly <laughs> can make, so... We can share some of those with people. All right. Who wants to introduce Matt Daniels, please? Uh, I guess that's me again. Okay. So uh, Matt and Tony Daniels were missionaries in Uruguay for 18 years. Uh, We connected with them down there. They were seeking to start house churches there. They're back in the U.S. now. And uh, both Matt and his wife, Tony, are part of the leadership of Luke 10. All right. Very good. Matt Daniels, welcome to I Work For Him. Hey, uh, thank you. It's great to be here. Well, I just really want to... Hey, John, just just in case you don't know, we're getting a little wind noise in your phone, John, so if you could try to figure out a way to block that. So, Matt, talk to me about why house church. Yeah, um, I never had a choice. So I was was this radical high school kid, um, fell in love with Jesus, and uh, immediately... um, Actually, I had been been sort of... um, I had a choice to kind of either go to reform school or go on a youth mission trip, and uh, <laughs> okay. I went on a youth, I went on a youth mission trip, and uh, and my first experience uh, being with the body of Christ were in these intimate communities where you work together, you live together, you play together, and pray together, and um, and I was so ruined uh, for forever. Sorry, there's a big airplane going overhead for um, for I don't know the normal life so to speak. And then when I got into college, um, you know, I immediately with my girlfriend, we started up the student groups and then we later married and we were in college. We had these people that, that said, Hey, you ought to hang out with us sometime. They had a house church and they were college students. And, uh, I think the intimacy of the spiritual community 
um, and uh, was just again, it was something that uh, it was it was full on immersion and full participation, and it just smelled a lot and tasted a lot like the things I was reading in the New Testament. So, talk to me about how you guys have a couple of small children. How do you guys handle the small kids in the house church? Well. Um, it's an interesting question, and I would almost reframe the question. I would oh, say, go ahead. I, I, I would say, why do the rest of us, why is that even a question at all, when we have uh, Messiah who said, um, don't push the children aside, let them come and sit on my lap, right? And, right. Um, and so he somehow made uh, communion with children an essential uh, part of the spiritual experience. And I think a lot of times we live with a sense of, Oh, the children get in the way. We've got to do something for the children to get in the way, or I don't get what I what I need. And and oftentimes, what that speaks to is possibly our own level of of development and maturity that we really do live in a state of unmet needs and are sort of emotional infants or emotional children. And so, we have to have someone else be there for us, and therefore have the children out of the way. Um, so we have tried to find a way to put children as central to the experience. So part of what we do, my wife is a, um, a trained instructor of a Montessori method of childhood spiritual formation called Godly Play. And Godly Play has these wonderful, wonderful, wonderful stories where you form a circle, you sit around, and you wonder out loud as you sort of uh, display and, and lay out a, a story of uh, a Bible story in front of everyone. And it's a circle that children and adults uh, can all sit in together. And as the adults are sensitive to the needs and the wondering and are really able to um, make the space be about the children, they can also do some wondering and reflection themselves and uh, and connect with the Lord's heart. And we do that all together. I love that. Well, I just, my wife and I just recently got involved in a house church over here on the beaches in Tampa Bay. And that was one of the things when we've been inviting families of the younger kids, we're like, what do we do with our kids? Because the church as a whole has trained people, well, we got to get the kids out of the way so we can concentrate. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think I think really we can help people think to say, um, well, we know we this is all about the kids. So the question is, what do we do with the adults? And uh, and I think we can. And the more, and I would say this, um, the the more each of those families that comes to your church really lives and owns the fact that that mom and dad is a church in their own right. And the more right. those two practice church on a daily basis, the um, the less they show up uh, hungry, and the more they show up full to that space. Oh, I like that. And I love the fact that you're right. Our kids are our number one mission field. It's about the kids. That's why we have kids, to multiply the gospel. I mean, I love that. Matt Daniels calling in from Nashville, Tennessee. One last question. Any negatives to the house church? Um, Any negatives is, uh, yeah, you have to grow up. And um, you have to grow up (laughs) and put on your your big boy pants and your big girl pants and... um, I mean, and I, and I don't mean that. I mean, I don't mean that in any bad way. It's yes, it's really hard. It's hard to mature, and and then to ask for help for the resources you need in order to be in that space. Um, but the reward, the word is far worse. And now more than ever, the resources are out there, the relationships are out there, so that you can get some guidance and connect with people who can help you mature. I mean, you find out real fast how immature you are when you try to do community this way. And so that's the hardest part. Wow. I, I think we could probably do a whole show just on explaining what you mean by that, but I love it. <laughs> I appreciate it. And Matt Daniels, thanks for calling in from Nashville, Tennessee today. Okay, you're welcome. Thank you. 
You know, John, why don't you just address what Matt said really quickly while we're waiting for Carolyn Hyde to call in. When you talk about the, when you lead, do you have, when you have a house church leader, do they do all the teaching or is it spread out among all the people that come? <laughs> uh, well, again, as we mentioned before, a key house church verse is 1 Corinthians fourteen twenty six, which says, when you come together, brothers, everyone has a word of instruction, a hymn, a revelation, and so on. So by its very nature, it involves everyone. We believe that every person who is present um, has the grace of God, the gifts of God within them. So our job as a community is to call forth that grace. And so a leader of a house church really functions like a wise, mature, spiritual mother or father who know how to empower and draw forth what's in their children. I love that. All right, now we've got Carolyn Hyde on, calling in from Israel. Carolyn, welcome. I work for him. Thank you so much. It's great to be with you. Shalom Aleichem. Peace be upon you. So, Carolyn, why don't you share a little bit about how the house church is impacting Christ followers and future Christ followers right there in the land of Israel? Ah, well, and as I uh, mentioned, as I began to grow and, and understand what this is all about, um, being raised in a Jewish home where everybody's talking and nobody's listening, uh, I found that in a home congregational setting, everybody's talking, but this time everybody's listening. And it has really made an impact on me personally, and it's been impacting our friends around us as we've been sharing it with them. So talk to me about, you know, I I love hearing the story of a Jew that has become a Christ follower. How did you make that connection between Jesus, the Nazarene, as they call him, and him being the Messiah? Ah, well, okay, I'll make a very long story short. Um, I grew up in an Orthodox synagogue near Chicago, and I, you know, all my life I was taught as a child that Christians hate me. Um because of the stories that I heard from my grandparents. I lost family in the Holocaust, and I was taught as a young child the Nazis were Christians. You know, they Mm. went to church on Sunday and they sang hymns, so they must have been Christians, right? So um, I had a totally different picture of the church, and and I thought if they hate me, then I hate them. And so that was it for years and years, Uh, until at one point uh, after university, I was living in Mexico, um, I was kind of a hippie, singing in bars and stuff, and I had a vision, and I saw Yeshua, as we call him in Hebrew, Jesus, and it was an incredible vision with angels singing, and I knew right away that Yeshua, Jesus, is the Lord. Now, for this kind of revelation to happen and was so stunning to me that it actually scared me, and I... I couldn't talk with anyone for four years about it. Carolyn, can you talk about how the house church movement is helping Christianity to spread among the Jews that are living right there in God's you know, planned nation? Okay, if I can be sensitive to the wording, actually, we're not trying to spread Christianity here in Israel. Okay. When, a Jew, when a Jew comes to the Messiah, Yeshua, we are still Jewish. Of course. And I think, I think that's a really important concept to understand, and don't mean to be in any way offensive, but um, we, 
it's the the heritage is so important. Of course, Jesus never converted either the disciples, and they were still very much Jewish. And and there, there's a mix that has gone on here. And I think, um, in order for us, and and I say us, I am a Jewish follower of Messiah Yeshua of Jesus, and um, but most of my people are not. And as an Israeli Jew. I want to be sensitive to that for my people. Um, now, the whole concept of going to a Western-style uh, church for a Jewish person is so completely foreign that uh, this is the beauty of the, the home keila, as we say, the house church movement here in Israel, is that, you know the scripture, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together? And... Um, the Hebrew for that is, and what that means is, uh, when it says for brothers to dwell together, actually the Hebrew word is shevet, which means to sit together. And that implies sitting around the table, and so that's a very small group that the scripture is talking about, because how, how big is your table? And, you know, with food and coffee, and, and, and so the whole concept is very biblical here. And it fits beautifully in the land of Israel. And and I I don't think anybody took offense at all what you said, Carolyn, because we've all, I mean, it says that we become uh, adopted into the family, into the chosen Uh nation as Christ followers. Uh And even though we don't have Jewish heritage in our blood, we become we, we gain the Jewish heritage. So it's, it's just fascinating to, to talk to a Jew that, that gets it, that becomes a follower of the Messiah. I love that because you're a perfected Jew. You're, you get it, and Amen. we love that. You're part of that chosen, chosen nation. We love that. So last comment, Carolyn, are there any downsides to being part of a small church? Honestly, I can't think of any. Um, we absolutely love our home kehila, a congregation. You know, that's the other word. Uh, we don't use church here. We use kehila in Hebrew. And that basically means community. And, and yeah, it's, it has such a beautiful meaning. I can't think of a downside, honestly. Maybe I'll find one in a few years. But uh, at this point, I can't find one. Well, <laughs> and we Carol- love it. And, uh, Carolyn, yeah. we appreciate you calling in. Thanks so much for being on iWorkFrame. Just sharing a little bit of your story. Just know that us, that those of us Christ followers back here in the States, we often are praying for the nation of Israel because oh, we know of the okay, adversity yeah. that you guys face on a day-by-day basis. But we also have yeah. read the end of the book, and we know that in the I'm end... Not. Yeah, we know that in the end that our Savior wins at the major battles of the world. So, but thank you so and much I, for calling I in. I can add this real quick. Uh, as I mentioned in my testimony, I didn't get to finish. Uh, I did grow up with a hatred of Christians, but obviously since finding Jesus, I don't hate Christians. I love Christians. I'm married to one, and it, it's like uh, it totally, Yeshua totally changed my life. Oh, praise God. Thank you, Carolyn. Thank you. God bless you. Shalom. Love it. Felicity, I I love hearing that story, and I know you and John have had to be quiet here this last half hour if we brought, had people call in and just share testimonies, but that's the beauty of the small church, isn't it, Felicity? Absolutely. You, you get to hear everybody's story. It's not somebody uh, speaking from the front and you trying to, to listen and learn, um, but it's it's everybody sharing together and lives intermingling together. It's, it's a huge blessing. 
How, when you look at the impact on your life personally, as you look at the impact of small church, uh, the, and, and I love what Carolyn just said, community, because that's what it really is. It's about the community. How, how did being involved in these small church communities in homes impact you and Tony and your four kids? We've been involved in, in small group and small church for, for so long, it's hard to remember what things were like before. But um, absolutely, it, it's, there's, there's a depth of fellowship that goes on. You can't coast on somebody else's faith and walk with the Lord. You have to make sure that your own walk is really vibrant and living and uh, alive. And, uh, yeah, it just, um, it, 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 it's not an event you go to on Sunday. But it's something that impacts every part of your life. So, you know, we talked about, now, John, we talked about what do we do with kids. And I love the way Matt kind of re, uh, he redirected my conversation. I love that. That was fantastic. But, you know, we're used to bigger churches have programs for the kids and programs for the babies and programs for the teenagers, programs for the college kids, the singles. It, do you guys, do you, do you break out for any of that stuff? Or does the house church community that you promote on the LK10 uh, lk10.com website lk10 website is there anything there that says hey break do breakouts for teens and for elementary kids i i think the answer to that jim is is maybe at an actually deeper level go ahead we are so trained in the context of programs the church mm-hmm. program for us for our kids or whatever a, a deeper level than even the idea of house church is what we're beginning to call a manual church And the question is, when Jesus said, whenever two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there, is that true or not? And if it's true, if Jesus is present when we meet, and he's only present, but he is the leader of the church, and he speaks if we listen, then it means that we take all the questions to him. So instead of us providing some program, you know, do it this way or do it that way, we encourage every house church to ask Jesus, about all the questions. What do you want to do with the kids? What about the babies? What about the finances? I'm not the head of the church. Jesus is. Ask him. I love that. Now, but you're but you're blowing people's minds because there's a lot of people listening today, Felicity and John, that are like, but we're used we have been programmed to think programs. We have been programmed to think one hour of church. Uh, every week with the bulletin where we come back a week later we've been programmed that we then uh, have 15 minutes of social time then we go into a small group or a sunday school class we've been programmed to be programmed how do you clean your head of that garbage sorry how do you clean your head of that programming and adjust to allowing the spirit of god to just lead your conversations lead your community well, sometimes we actually call that because oh hang on hang on so, so you got no some sometimes you call it what Detoxing. Detoxing, okay. So it's like we've been addicted to programs. And what if, what if the Lord... And so it's not easy to change. I agree with that. But what we know is 65 million Americans who are called the nuns have now left traditional church because they're fed up with that. They're looking for something more authentic. And many of them are saying, we've left church and we're not going back. So what we want to do is provide what we think uh, as church looks like in the New Testament. Now, John, how old are your kids? Oh, they're grown. I've got grandkids. I've got three grandkids. Okay, are all your kids though? Have they adopted your your the small church idea, and are they all involved in small churches, or how did they spin off? Uh, one, I've got two daughters. One has, and one's still in traditional church. One's okay. in house church. And Felicity, you guys have four kids. You and Tony. 
How have your kids adjusted to all their upbringing in the small church? How have they adjusted? And now as adults, where, where are they at? Um, I would say that two are involved in the small type church. Uh, that one goes to a traditional church and one is still struggling to find his way. Mm, okay. All right. I mean, this is a, this is a big conversation and Felicity, I, I definitely think we need to do a whole show talking about the, the really, the, the incredible value of women in leading a church and the fact that we leave a lot of that wisdom sitting on the pews. And it's such a shame because we all, we, Martha and I talk about it on Tuesdays all the time, how women tend to hear the voice of God a whole lot easier than men do. So that's a whole, that's a whole nother topic for another conversation, but I really appreciate you bringing it up a little controversy for today. What's the, just give us the number one reason why people should check out LK10.com. Felicity, what do you think? I think it t- teaches uh, remarkable principles, what they call rhythms, rhythms that are going to enhance somebody's walk with the Lord and with each other. And um, absolutely, it, it, and it lays the foundation for house church. I like that. John, 10 seconds. What do you think? I agree with Felicity all the time. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> I have been well trained. Felicity Dale and John White, thanks for sharing. Thanks for getting people to share from all over the country, all over the world, about their experience with small church. You guys, thanks for just inspiring our audience to look at differences, to be detoxed, and to get on program. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Jim. Thank you so much. Check out the website, lk10.com, lk10.com. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower. My workplace, it's my mission field, but ultimately, I work for him.